other movie for you. All right. Yeah. We're going to see if you've seen it when we talk about it. And if you have, then I got the backup. Okay. I really hope that you have it because I really want to see this movie again. It's been a long time. <laughs> it's been a really long time isn't since it, I've seen this movie. Isn't it funny how we choose movies one because the other person hasn't seen them, but two, because they're movies that we want to rewatch ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of the reasons why I gave you the movie I gave you this week. Um, I didn't rewatch your movie this week because you've probably I've seen, seen it, it a bunch very recently. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, that said, welcome to another Movie swap. Oh, you already started. <laughs> I already was, you know me. Like we don't when it comes to this, like this particular like thing, we there's no formal introduction. We no. just no, it's not like revisited or what I do with Wilhelm or what you do with Ahsoka. Like it's it's very loose and that's Ahsoka is so fun. So I haven't started it yet. Oh, I'm suck. I'm I'm basically waiting for it to end at this point so I can binge it. That's so good. I know. And I know because I know they brought in two other characters this past week. No, no. We're not going to talk about it on this podcast for people that haven't watched it. It's not meant for this podcast. No. It's meant for the Ahsoka podcast streaming now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So, another episode of the, the movie swap with Ben and Kristen. Yes. Um, the dynamic duo. It's been, you know, it's been a couple weeks since we put one out, but we said we weren't going to do these every week. We kind of want to give ourselves time to watch the movies. Plus, there was a lot yeah. of other stuff. Well, I watched Chef watched. last night. I All right. So I watched Maze Runner two nights ago. So okay. the, the movie I gave you was Chef, mm-hmm. uh, which was from 2014. Yes, I believe. Uh, and then you gave me the Maze Runner, which is from two- also from 2014. Oh, hey, look at us. We went there with we- the theme this year. Week. <laughs> this week. Time. <laughs> this episode. This episode. Uh, so do you want to talk about Chef first? Or do you want to talk about Maze Runner first? Let's talk about Chef first. Okay. So, okay, so I want to tell you something about Chef. I almost turned this shit off. Uh-oh. I, I, so... I got 45 minutes into the movie and I actually, I pressed pause to see how far I was in the movie. And Dave goes, what are you doing? And I was like, we're almost halfway through this movie and John Favreau is still an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I go, I don't know how much more of this I can take, to be honest. I need something to happen like soon. And in the next five minutes, of course, it final the movie finally starts. So all that said, I get... If I don't think a movie needs to be two hours to be good, first of all, and the movie's an hour and 55 minutes, it could have been a tight 90 minute movie and it would have been just as good. I didn't need the 45 minutes of how terrible of a person he was because let's be honest, he's, he was terrible. <sighs> he was a bad dad. Okay. He was, yeah. he was, um, singularly focused on his own thing. He let other, he let Dustin Hoffman walk all over him. He, he was, he was a bad dad, really, honestly, like, and, and because he was a bad dad, he seemed to also be bad at everything else. He was a very, John Favreau plays, um, 
uh, Carl, Carl Casper, mm-hmm. Chef Carl Casper, and he he is he is a very lost person for most of this movie. And well, I I can't do that. Like I am not somebody who likes to see this downward spiral that doesn't seem to end before the movie starts to pick up. Like I got it. Like within 20 minutes I go, I got this guy's character. I got it. I got it. Okay, let's move on. And but once once he goes to Miami, I mean because he has all these really good people around him and he just takes them all for granted and he treats them all like doo-doo, like um, his ex-wife, who is amazing, who I still can't figure out why she's so rich. She's party planner, but I guess she's like a really good party planner because she I, goes, all my parties. Yeah, I, I mean, it. That, so the movie itself has a phenomenal cast and you know, like it's pretty clear Favreau called in a couple favors to get oh, some yeah. of the I people mean, in this movie. Dave goes, hey, three people from Iron Man 2 are in this movie. And I was like, who's the third? I go, Tony Stark, uh, Black Widow. Who's the third? I go, John Lugazamo wasn't in it. And he looks no, at me Favreau. Goes, John Favreau. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because this movie, this movie did come out after Iron Man 2. So Favreau yep. had already directed Iron Man 1 and Iron Man 2. And there is an Iron Man reference in the movie. I don't know if you caught You're it. You're watching Iron Man in the theater. <laughs> yes. Which hear- I didn't get until Dave read the trivia. <laughs> oh, oh I, I knew it immediately because you hear the blaster from Iron Man I- suit. I was so annoyed with his character at this point in the movie that I was like, oh, look, he's on his phone while he's on a roller coaster. Oh, look, he's sitting there absentmindedly eating popcorn as they watch a movie. Like, it just, the whole time I'm like, because I grew up with a dad like that who could not be bothered to, like, hang out with me. And so he wanted to just be Disneyland dad. And that's exactly what he was. He was Disneyland dad. But I never got to actually, like, hang out with my dad. So, like... Percy's character, I just looked at him. I'm like, oh man, I, I feel your I pain. Feel you, man. And then at the by the end of the movie, when you know his whole life is wonderful, Percy's life, you know, his parents are back together and everything's fine. And I'm just like, and then Dave goes, Well, this is a terrible movie for kids of divorce. <laughs> uh, I didn't even think of it that way. Either. A lot of false hope to all those little kids watching this movie. Um, I want to say real quick, too, before we get too far away from it, and I forget, uh, Favreau, Downey Jr., and Scarlett Johansson are not the only Marvel family members in this movie. Hang on, I can do it. <laughs> there is another one. And, and it's he, not John Leguizamo. It's not John Leguizamo. But it's there not is. Ray Romano's brother. Mm. Is it Ray Romano's brother? Ray Ra- Ray Romano's brother is not in this movie. I'm from Everybody Loves Raymond. That's not him. It's Bobby. Yes. Con- it's Bobby Cannavale. <gasps> That's the guy from Ant Man. Yes, it's the dad from Ant Man. The I stepdad. That, but I thought Ant-Man. that the stepdad was the brother from No. Everybody <laughs> loves Raymond. I that thought is... that this whole time I was today no. years old when I realized they are two different people. They this are t- Jeremy Piven and Kevin. Uh, Kevin, whatever his name is, fiasco of my life. What? Jeremy Piven and Kevin Pollock. I have gotten those two mixed up. For most of my life. How? Don't, don't. I see your face. Just don't do it. (laughs) Okay. That's the same thing with this guy and Ray Romano's brother. All right. So Bobby, so Bobby Cannavale, and now I got to look up, uh, for some reason, I can't remember his name. Um, 
Ray Romano's brother? Yeah. Is that is that not is that not a specific enough of, of a name? Brad Garrett. Brad Garrett. Yeah, um, that guy. Yeah, this, yeah. Bobby Cannavale and Brad Garrett. I can see a little bit of a resemblance. Jeremy Piven and Kevin Pollock. I do. I don't not know get. why. I don't know why. I could not differentiate between the two of them until Jeremy Piven was in Entourage. That HBO series. Entourage. Entourage, Entourage. and he was such an asshole that I was like, okay, yeah, I but got Ari it. I Gold never... was the best. Mm, I I hated that show. I love. I hated I the show, but I loved Ari. Yeah, I hated the show. <laughs> I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that I saw who played the lead in Entourage. Um, I forget the character's name. I know who you're talking about. The actor's name. Yeah, I know. I, I well, forget the actor's. I saw him at a hotel that we were staying at once and he was such a dick he was such a dick that i was like well i'll never watch anything you're in ever again adrian grenier yeah he's not a good dude um yeah vinnie chase adrian grenier uh, uh, yeah the, i mean i don't think he had much of a career outside of i mean he was in the devil wears prada no i think that he didn't have much of a career because he was such a dick that could be it too that could definitely be it um sorry okay. sorry to you know no <laughs> yeah, i'm looking and i'm looking i'm looking at his his imdb and he has not done a lot of good stuff <laughs> when you're not a nice person that's what happens to your life um no i get the whole you know carl being a horrible person because he is and like one of the reasons why i really like this movie is because it is about a man who kind of literally spirals as far as he can spiral like he has lost he's already not in a great position he's he's under the control of a of a, a guy who's holding kind of his ho- kind of holding him hostage in a position that he's in not allowing him to do what he wants to do um you know, because not, even, not allowing him to do what he hired him to do in the first place. Yeah, because even Dustin Hoffman's character, like as somebody who watches like cooking shows and restaurant shows and stuff like that, like I get the position he's taking as a business person, but you are cuffing the hands of, you know, this like even after that review from Ramsey about how horrible the menu is, he still doesn't allow him to change it. And well, like, especially it's since so like frustrating. Well, especially since he's like, we've had more reservations than we ha- we've had in years. So you're going to do the same menu, and he's like, there's only one reason why we have this many reservations, yeah. and that's because of the fact that I've promised a new menu. Well, I don't care. This is what you're doing. This is my restaurant. Okay. Well, good luck. Bye. Like yeah. that was, and, and then. What this was the most frustrating part of the whole movie for me. The most frustrating part. Like I, I just I couldn't even handle it. He makes all the food at his house and it's fucking beautiful. And he doesn't think to post any of those yeah. pictures on Twitter. He doesn't think to maybe take all that food to the restaurant and say, Hey, fucker, come here and eat my food. You know what I mean? This is what I was gonna make for you until asshole jerk box jerk boss decided something different. Yeah, I thought about I thought about that, too. I was like, like, you just made all this food because like and and I get why he did it. Like he was being constrained. So to go to take all this stuff home and make it at home was kind of a release for him. Like he needed to get this out of his system. So he needed to go home and make what he was supposed to make that night. Otherwise, it would have been like a, a frustration for him to keep all that in. 
but I would have done the same exact thing. I would have taken pictures of all this food, post it on Twitter, tagging him, tagging Ramsey Michael or and Ramsey Michelle. Ram Michelle and tagging the restaurant saying, yes. I walked out because I wasn't allowed to do this. Yeah. This is what I wasn't allowed to do. I mean, that to me, that's how you use social media. But we're almost a decade removed from this um, from this movie. And social media has really changed the way that we look at our world in the last 10 years. So I'd be interested to know how this movie, how people responded to this movie 10 years ago. Yeah. Because it has really high, like, Rotten Tomato scores and really good critic scores and really, like, but I just didn't feel that at all. Like, I, it was, it was, it was good. It was cute. I loved, I loved the road trip. I thought the road trip was inspired. I loved the fact that they were cooking their own food, but with respect to the local, local cuisine that they were in, like, they, they still made, um, they still made the sandwich. They still made the sandwiches, but they did it with like Texas brisket yeah. or they did it with uh, New Orleans and Dewey sausage or something like that. Like that really spoke to me. Um, Let me tell you. From a foodie perspective. This movie is not a movie to watch hungry. Um, because. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, you're probably right. I don't like mustard and I don't like pickles, but holy shit. Did I want a Cuban sandwich? After watching this movie, because I it love looks, keeping sandwiches, they're my favorite. And let me also tell you, the other thing I really wanted was that fucking grilled cheese sandwich. Oh, I wanted that brisket. Oh, the brisket was amazing. They lost too. me at the yeah. brisket. Like the minute they that he opened it up, and he was like, "You get five of these," and I'm like, "Oh my god!" So like, I don't know how. The only reason to go to Texas. Oh, it's, it's for barbecue. Um, so I don't know how much research you did on the movie because I know you usually tend to do that. Um. But I don't Not know. Not with movie swap. With movie swap, I go in blind. I watch it, and then no, I, talk I mean about after. It with I you. mean afterward. Oh, so you oh. Don't, okay? No, no, so, no, I usually do, but I, I'm I'm rocking a pretty heavy cold right now, so <laughs> I watch so, the movie. That's it. So Favreau actually ghosted a pretty famous chef, and for this, I, I think it's John Choi. Um, jo oh, Roy Choi. Roy Choi. Um, so he ghosted Roy Choi and actually learned a lot of the cooking techniques. So a lot Roy of the Choi's cooking you see. Oh, I don't know. Is it Roy Choi? Let me. I want to double check that. Um, he, yeah, he he was executive producer of the movie. Oh, and then that's, he, it, that's yeah. who it was then. Yeah, yeah. Um, so a lot he, of he the changed cooking, the he changed the food truck game in food. Like he was the one that did it. A lot of the cooking that you see in the movie is actually Favreau because Favreau learned all the techniques and everything on how to do it. And if you watch the movie all the way to the end, there is during the credits there is a scene that's running while the credits are running. And it is Roy Choi showing Favreau how to make that grilled cheese sandwich. Oh, because I thought I, I only watched like halfway through the credits and it was, um, it was all the music. Yeah. So that, I mean, but the, it, so when you watch all that, it'll go to the credits for a little bit of just the mm -hmm. credits. And then it shifts to another on screen credit and it's Roy Choi showing Favreau how to make that grilled cheese. It's it's John Favreau saying, "Don't ever leave my movies. I don't care if they're Marvel or not. <laughs> you you will stay." <laughs> uh the, and another another person I loved in this movie was Leguizamo. Like his I think this was his best role. His de his devotion to to him like 
leaving LA and just coming down to Miami just because he made him a promise that no matter where you go, I'm going to follow you to be your, you know, to be your right hand. But didn't you get the feeling that they both came from Miami? Like he brought him, like, it seemed to me that this is, this is what I got was that Carl Casper came, was a Miami chef that moved to LA probably because his wife at the time moved to LA because of her business. But they, but when they went back, it seemed that to me, like that John Logazama was also somebody that came from Miami. So it was like a no brainer to him that he would of course go back to all of their roots to do this. Casper, like Carl, I could see being from Miami because that's where Inez's family was at. That's where, but that's what they also said, like in the beginning in the exposition of the movie. Yeah, he started. He's got his. They start said in Miami. that he was the edgiest chef in Miami. Yeah, yeah. I, I, Martin, I could see being from Miami as well. I, I don't think Martin. it's ever. Martin, sorry, Come it's on, never dude. addressed. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's never addressed where he comes from. Um. But I could see it. I can see him from Miami as well. Uh, it's just the cast in this movie, like, and I could. So one of the main reasons I gave you this movie because I, I because I I really enjoy this movie, so I wanted you to see it for that reason. But I know you are a big Oliver Platt fan as well as I am. I am. Well, everything so, he does is magic. Every little thing he does is magic. <laughs> and I and I do wish he'd do more. He's kind of taken a backseat to acting like my favorite thing that he's ever done and will uh, i like i can't i think of him and i think of him in this role is his role as the white house lawyer in um west wing west wing yeah i think that was his best role i don't I, know why i have another movie that's on my list to assign you that is oliver platt he is one of the two leads in the movie um, I don't want to give it three musketeers, right? Because I've no, seen that. No, but he is amazing. Yeah, of it, course he is. That was Porthos, the first thing I ever saw him in. Porthos, Porthos yeah. the pirate. <laughs> he was amazing. Yeah, is, that was my. Uh, that was the first thing I ever saw him in. Was I love? I adore that movie. Yeah, it's a good movie. I adore that movie. We should watch it and cover it on uh, Showtime. Ooh, that could be fun. It could be really fun. It's an old movie. Yeah, but that's Chris a, O'Donnell at his youngest and dreamiest. Chris O'Donnell, Charlie Sheen before he became a coked out dick. Yep. Oliver um, Platt and, in his prime. And, and Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah, it's a good I, cast. Yeah. I think and we Tim just Curry. put ourselves into this. And Tim Curry. Oh, I forgot he's in that movie. He's the Cardinal. This is great. Yeah, no, we're going to do this. I'm excited. I need to, wa I need to watch that movie again. That, <laughs> that movie is so good. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I, I have another movie with Oliver Platt. It's Oliver Platt and Matthew Perry. And... It's all right. I'm going to give it to you this week just because who is just, what? What is it? It's called three to tango. Wait, I've seen that movie. Have you? I, is Selma Hayek in it too? No, that is fools rush in. Oh, okay. Oliver Platt is not in that. No, this is um, Oliver Platt, Matthew Perry and Nev Campbell. Yeah, that sounds like some '90s goodness that I'm here for. And oh, tell me, it's a '90s and, and, uh, movie, and it is. Oh, it's absolutely yeah. a '90s movie. <laughs> um, and Dylan McDermott is the other main oh, lead. God, stop! <laughs> Just stop! It's wonderful. I'm so excited. <laughs> All right, that's that's what I'm going to give you this week. Yeah, it's night. It was '99. Oh, um, so it was like the, I the love the '90s. Of, 
Yeah. <laughs> As at the tail end of the 90s. I really think you'll enjoy this movie too, but I'll, we'll wait till the end and when we make it official. Um, um, anyway, so I, um, I did enjoy it. All said and done, I did enjoy it. I like movies that make me feel good. Even when they're predictable, I don't care. Like even Dave said, he goes, I 100% know how this movie is going to go from here on out, and I don't care. So, you know, I mean, J- John Favreau is a really good storyteller. I do feel that the first 45 minutes could have been about 25 minutes, and it would have been just as good of a movie. I, I get that. Like, you probably could have shaved it down a little bit. I feel like Favreau really wanted to really wanted to drive the point home that this guy is really in a downward spiral. Like, yeah, he drove it home. <laughs> but like, seriously, I don't turn movies off. 45 minutes in, I looked at Dave. I said, if this wasn't the movie that I was assigned, I'd turn it off right now. <laughs> I, nothing's stopping you from turning a movie off if you hate it. No, no, that's it's a, not that I hated it. It was podcast. just that, but I just sat there and I'm just like, oh my gosh, when does this get better? Because you know it's going <laughs> to get better because it's not going to have good reviews if the whole movie is a bummer. Yeah. You I know will what I mean? T- there, there were a number of moments in this movie too that I really, I absolutely loved. The, the scene where he buys Percy his first knife. Oh. <sighs> That was great. I, I loved that scene because that that was really one of the first points where you can see that Carl's really starting to come around and realize what he's been missing. Well, and I understand that, but like, okay, so here's from a a child, like I'm a child of divorce. I know you are as well. I'm a mm-hmm. child of divorce with an absentee father who, whenever I saw him, only wanted to do what interested him. And so I had to be okay with doing whatever it is that interested him, right? Um, And I feel like a lot of that element was in this movie. Like, it was like when he got upset about, well, I don't care. They're not paying for it anyway, right? Uh, That whole scene with, with the sandwich that he burned, which, I mean, that's a shitty thing to do. But at the same time, his father has never taught him that his father has never shown him that he's any good at anything. So he is under the impression that his dad cuts corners and is an absentee and, and, and is shitty at everything he does because he's, he's crappy dad. Right. And he's like, so he takes him outside, outside the, the, whatever you want to call it, the food truck. I was going to say, Again, what else, what listen, else are you going to call? It? <laughs> like I told you rocking a cold right now. So you're just going to have, you're going to have to go with this. Um, and so he's like, listen, I may not be a good dad. I'm not good at this, blah, 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 but I'm good at this. This is what I do, blah, blah, blah. And I want to share that with you. And I want you to know about that, about me. And the whole time I'm like, do you want to learn about him? Because like this, this kid worships you, worships you. And like, you don't even know what he's doing for you and for your business with Twitter and with social media. And the one second every day that he just can't even be bothered to look at for until he gets back. And it just, a lot of that hit in like, closed off parts of me last mm-hmm. night, you know, and I just, I hated it because, because I wanted to like this story about them and, and this evolution that he was going through. But at the same time, he remained a selfish man throughout the whole movie. You think he remained the end, he remained a hundred percent. Yes. Yes. It, because it was all, all about what he wanted to do. It was all about his vision and his loves and his obsessions and his kid just wanted to be a part of his life so bad to the point that he said, I don't care. I'll sacrifice every every free moment in my life. And for a 10-year-old kid, like 
That's that's huge. Like he just wants to be with his dad so bad. He doesn't care that he gets burned. He doesn't care that, you know, he's going to spend all of his time in a stuffy food truck as long as he gets to be with his dad. And his dad just doesn't really see the sacrifices that his son is making for him. And I don't feel that uh, Carl made any sacrifices for his son. And a parent I, should make sacrifices for their kid before a kid makes sacrifices for their parent. I can I can see the point of that. Even to the end, he never makes any sacrifices for his son. Um, I don't know if I agree with the whole he he remains a selfish person the whole until the t- the entire time because at the end he does change his mind and say like I I want you to be a part of this. I want you like it's on the weekends, it's after school as long as your homework is done like but I want you to come and work on the truck. Which I completely like, understand. Yeah. I totally understand, but at the same time do we ever learn anything about Percy? Other than other than his devotion to his father, no. Right. Yeah. That's a problem t- for me. And if and if he wanted and if John Favreau wanted to make a movie that is really a redemption arc for a father, then he should have also been a father. I feel like I should have given you this movie before Real Steel because I feel like Real Steel kind of because that that's a movie where we learn about the father Real and Steel, the son. Yeah, Real Steel is actually a movie about a dad and a son. This is about a chef who gets his restaurant back. And oh yeah, he also gets his family back, but that's just kind of to the side. It's second nature, it's secondary. Yeah, and so that was like really that was the gnawing thing in the back of my head the whole time was that I was like he's still a dick. Like does anybody not see this? He's still a dick. All right. I I no, I can I can get that point. But it was a very but aside from that all of the other characters around Carl were fantastic. Like uh I want to call her Gloria, but I know that that's not her name. <laughs> Inez. In- Inez. Inez. Inez was this wonderful, beautiful, rich character. And you know, um What's her name? Vergara. Sophia Vergara. That's yeah. her name. I mean, she's not really that great of an actress, in my opinion, but I thought she was phenomenal in this. She's, I thought that Percy she, was wonderful. Uh, Sophia Vergara is a very, uh, not to say she's a bad actress, but she's a very one note actress. That's she plays a, a very, perfect, per, yeah. she plays a very particular role, but when she's, character. when she's cast in that role, She's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And this was one of those instances. Like, this was a role that was specific to her, and she's great. I think she's fantastic in this movie. But anything outside of the Dominican housewife, ex-wife kind of role, aka modern family, Gloria, yeah. it's it's very questionable. It, it doesn't seem like her acting is that good. But this role fit her. Yeah, and she did really well in this role. John Lewis. Liguizamo, phenomenal in this role. The the kid, Percy, whose name is MJ, spelled E-M-J-A-Y. I'm so sorry, kid. That (laughs) is just horrible. I'm sorry for your parents. Um, You know, he was really good in the movie. Dustin Hoffman was great in the movie. Scarlett Johansson was great in the movie. RDJ, I love in this movie. And it's almost like he came in. It's almost like he got cast and he asked Favreau, like, how do you want me to be? Be Tony Stark. Oh, he was great. <laughs> yeah. He was great. I le- I thought he was Just be Tony. Yeah, and he was. He was Tony Stark. And that's like I need Robert Downey Jr. to always be Tony Stark in in anything that he plays from here on mm, out. I don't no. want him to be anything else. Oppenheimer's different. Oppenheimer was different. Yeah. You're right. You're right. <laughs> 
He You're is, right. He was phenomenal on Oppenheimer. He is phenomenal on Oppenheimer. So, and he's okay, not, you proved me wrong. Yeah, he's not right. Tony Stark. No, <laughs> that movie. Um, still waiting what? for that to come out on streaming so I can rewatch it. I'm glad that I watched the movie because it's a movie that I did want to watch when it came out, and it was during the time of having babies, and so I, we never saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't feel I need to see it again. Fair enough. Totally you know what I mean? Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. I and I still like, and I'll I'll mention this too because it's one of my favorite lines from the movie, um, and it's a very it's it's early on in the movie, and it's 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 uh, Carl and Percy together. And I love it because it's one of my favorite foods is when they're walking through the market and he's like, if they're eating the kettle corn that he just adamantly told Percy he was never going to have there at the farmer's market. And he's like, hey, you ever had andouille sausage? Oh, you'll like it. You like spicy food? No, I don't like spicy food. It's not that spicy. Not that spicy. Because <laughs> <laughs> I love andouille sausage mm-hmm. and I love chorizo sausage. Like mm. they're two of my absolute like if i get foods that like if you if i see chorizo or andouille as part of that meal yeah. i i will usually gravitate towards that meal that's how i am with al pastor if i see if i'm at a mexican restaurant and i see al pastor i don't need to see any more of the menu i i've decided what i want yeah yeah when the first time i the first time i went and had cajun food which actually was only maybe a little over a year and a half ago um I had my choice between jambalaya or etouffee and I got to try both, but I ordered the jambalaya purely because of the sausage. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, where were good. you when you ordered that? Were you in new Orleans? No, we were in, uh, there's a, um, a Cajun family that transplanted from new Orleans to a plate to a city in Maryland. Hmm. Um, so it's a legitimate Cajun restaurant in a, Oceanside town in Maryland. Very nice. And we went down there and it's only maybe an hour away from my house. Oh, nice. So we drove down there for the day. Port-au-Prince in Maryland is the name of the town. Oh, Um, that's the name of the restaurant? No, that's the name of the town. Oh. Yeah. Which is why- Port-au-Prince is also in Haiti. Well, it's one of the reasons why they moved the Cajun restaurant to Port-au-Prince. Okay, got it. All right. Um, I thought it was called Port-au-Prince. I was like, oh, that's clever and cute. I like that. (laughs) No, that's the town they moved to. There's a Port-au-Prince in Maryland. That's Um, crazy. And that's why they moved it to there because it was like, okay, this Cajun restaurant will fit in a place called Port-au-Prince. But there's like a really historic lighthouse and like all this park. So we we went down there. We took a walk along the the water. And then we all, we met with some friends at the Cajun restaurant. And it was my first time having Cajun food. And I loved it. I thought it was great. We lived in, um, we lived in Southern Mississippi for three years. So we went to New Orleans a lot. And so we got the opportunity to have, um, to have Cajun food. Um, Creole a lot. And um, that was never something that we really like felt connected to. So it was not, it's, I always love it when I see people connecting to the food in New Orleans, just because um, I know that it has this rich food culture that I just don't feel that Dave and I really experienced when we lived down there. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it has to do with the fact that um, the one thing that people kept trying to stuff in our faces were muffalata sandwiches and that's an olive tapenade sandwich. And if you know anything about me, you know that that is the way to get me to run screaming from you is to tell me that you just put olive spread on anything. Yeah. I'm, it I'm sounds disgusting. I have to correct myself. 
Um, <laughs> it's not Port-de-Prince. <laughs> For some reason, that was in my head, but it's it's Harve de Grace. Okay. Is the name of the city in Maryland. What's the name of the restaurant? Uh, the name uh, Creole <laughs> Creole de Gras is the name of the restaurant. Oh, very nice. And it's in Harve de Grace, Maryland. Yeah, sounds kind of like Charles de Gaulle, which is French, and French food is very heavily re- um, influenced in Cajun and Creole food. So that all makes sense. Yeah. So and it's it was it was great. I I loved it. It was also my first time having a traditional beignet. Oh, beignets are good. Oh. So good. you need to go to Cafe Dumont for those, though. I mean, people actually like I've, that's what we used to do whenever we had visitors come to Mississippi is that, you know, there's nothing in Mississippi. So we would be like, let's go to New Orleans. So we have been to Jackson Square, Cafe Dumont and like all of like the hit the hot spots of New Orleans. Is that where they go in chef? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Cafe Dumont in the French Quarter. Okay. It's like right across the street from Jackson Square, which is beautiful. It's right on the water. Um it's you know I mean New Orleans is a beautiful town it really is I love I it I need I need to get to New Orleans at so some, at some point in my life I need to get there and it's crazy like I mean if you for, I suggest two things when you go to New Orleans always number one number one through five don't <laughs> wear open toed shoes in New Orleans don't do I it never, I don't I care. never wear open toed shoes in my life this is really for anybody that's listening right now don't. Do it. They power wash the streets every morning because of urine and vomit. It is disgusting. Well, it's a mean, disgusting, dirty town, but it's delicious. Well, I mean, and that's the thing, too. Like, if I w- ever go to New Orleans, I want to go for the food and the history. I don't mm-hmm. want to go for Mardi Gras or like, so I don't need to go whatever that street is that they all. Yeah. It's the same thing they do in Chef. Bourbon Street. It's Bourbon, Bourbon Street. Street. When he tells yeah. Percy, like, oh, no, we're not going to Bourbon Street. We're going to where the real, like, that's what I want to do. Right. I don't need well, to Well, they Bourbon had to Street. go, you had to go to Bourbon Street in order to get to Cafe Du Monde. Like, that's just, you have to do that. Which is but, fine. But, I mean, the Garden District in New Orleans, to me, is much better than the French Quarter. Although the French, especially because, mainly because the French Quarter is just so touristy. Like, you just, you yeah. can't get out of that tourist trap in the French Quarter, which sucks. Well, I mean, and that's like, that's how I am when I go to different places. It's like, yes, I love New York City and Times Square is amazing, but that's where everybody goes. There are right. so many other places in New York that you can go to to see that are just as great. Mm-hmm. And I don't live there, but I've been there enough times to know this. Right. Same thing with same thing with Louisiana. Like, I, yes, I'll walk through the French Quarter just to say I've been there, but I'm, I'm good with going everywhere else afterwards. It's what I yeah. tell people when they come to Philly and they're like, you know, when you talk cheesesteaks, they're like, oh, Pats and Geno's. No, fuck Pats and Geno's. They're well, for I, tourists. I, I love Leo's because you took me to Leo's, but you mm-hmm. said you found a better spot. Oh, I found so, a better spot for cheesesteaks. Well, so now we have to you know, come up and visit yeah. and go to it. Shout out to original Thunderbird and Broomall, man. The best, oh God, one of the best cheesesteaks I've ever had in this area. But I again, like go. Pat, Pat's With my and Gino's, tape. <laughs> Pat's and Gino's is, they're tourists. Mm-hmm. They're for people that are, that coming into the city and uh, as tourists or for people that are drunk at three, four o'clock in the morning. Cause they're the only place open. Well, and at that, and at that hour, anything tastes good. Right. Yeah. Like the amount of Jack in the box tacos I've had at three or four in the morning. 
<laughs> and I know we're getting off on a tangent here, but the number of people I've seen like, oh, like, like the, the best pizza is from Connecticut and outside of Connecticut, New York, no other good pizza exists. That's Fuck a lie. You. Fuck you. I, I can like, tell you right now, the best pizza I ever had was in San Francisco. Uh, some of the like Philly has some really good pizza places. Like I and they take yes, they take influence from New York and Connecticut, but they put their own thing on it and they're just as good. Now, I will argue through and through that Chicago deep dish is not pizza. No, it's not pizza. It's, it's not casserole. Pizza. It's it's casserole or it's, pie. Yeah, it's casserole. It is not. It's pizza. it's it's one layer of dough away from a calzone. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Steve Brown. <laughs> well, I, think, I, I also can't have that much bread or cheese. Like I just physically can't. Like my body won't accept it. So you know, if I'm gonna have pizza, I need it to be very thin. <laughs> I need it to be very specific. Like, I, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, that's, that's not pizza. But again, I digress. Like, I, I do, and this movie really helped. Like, this movie, by the end of this, rewatching this movie, because it's been a while since I've watched this movie. Mm-hmm. And, like, I was like, oh, now I want a Cuban sandwich. Now I want to go to New Orleans. Like, there's so I'm much. I'm going to go to Miami and eat. I've never been to Miami. I've only been through the airport, like, through customs when coming back from Punta Cana. But, I want to spend. I hate Florida. That's the problem. I hate I it. Too. I won't even go. But and even maybe more I'll so go to lately. Miami. I've I've never been to Miami. I've been to like Orlando and Tampa and you know and like Cape Canaveral and and such. And now my sister lives down there too, so I have more reasons to go if I ever decide to. Um, and my mom plans on retiring down there once she's able to retire. Um, Does so she I really will, want to do that? Yeah. They, it, her, it's more her boyfriend wants to go down there and she wants to go down there too. Cause that's where my sister and her grandchildren are at night. And, and I get it. Um, I'm like, that's fine. Like you can go, I'll travel to meet you. I'll come down and see you. I'm fine up here. I, I love the East coast and I love being up in this area. I'm good. I do um, too. I, if, if I had my choice, we would not be where we are. We would be further North, but um, you know, I think it's really important, especially when we're raising our kids that we're close to family, yeah. you know? Well, and so, that's why, that's why my mom wants to go to Florida. Right. Cause like, it's like between me and my, there. between me and my sister, my sister's got two kids. So it's, they take priority and I'm fine yeah. with that. Like, I don't think it's my mom abandoning me. I totally get going down to be closer to the grandkids. Yeah. I'm fine. With well, we would have been, we would have been living in Massachusetts probably by now. Um, but you know, my kids, my kids love their grandparents. I love my parents. We have a lot of extended family within an hour of where we live right now. You know, it's a good situation. We haven't been in that situation in a really long time because of, you know, military moves or whatever. But I think once the kids are in college, we might just take the plunge and move higher north I I think my my biggest thing keeping me in this area is I'm I'm one of those people. I know we're way off on a tangent, and we will get Whatever. to the other movie in a second. Um, my biggest thing is I'm one of those people that because of the family upbringing I've had, with the exception mm-hmm. of my mother and my sister yeah. and my mom's side of the family, like I I'm, I'm very separated from family. My dad's side of the family, with the exception of one or two people, I am uh, I am you know, excluded from or not excluded from, but I've separated myself from. 
or I'm estranged from. Um, so for that reason, I find a lot of solace in my friends being my family. Yeah. Um, so with the with I- the <laughs> with the exception of a, of, of a select few like you and our friend mm-hmm. Jill and yeah. a couple other people um, who I also include in that group, most of my core friends are here. Right. So to leave them would feel like I'm leaving my family. Right. Yeah. You know, I so totally get that. That's one of the reasons why I feel very comfortable being in this area where I mm-hmm. am. And I probably, if I move, it will not be anywhere within an hour away. So... You know, it is what it is. Well, let's talk about Maze Runner. Yeah. So, um, first off. First of all, uh, did you ever read the book? No. Okay. I went into this completely blind. Cool. And I say this in the most loving manner. Fuck you for giving me this movie. Why? Because now I have to watch the other two. Oh, you need to read the books. Just to know how this story ends. Yeah. You you set me up. It's good though, giving right? Giving me this movie. It's because good. now I need to know. This movie, this story in general, and I, I am very curious about the books. Um, this story in general was very Lord of the Rings meets hun- uh, Hunger Games. You mean Lord of the Flies. Lord of the Flies. Yeah, not Lord yeah. of the Rings. <laughs> Lord of the Flies meets Hunger Games. And there was a third one in there, and I can't remember what it was now. I had it in my brain, in my mental notes, and I can't remember what the other comparison I had was. You'll figure it out. Mm, yeah, maybe. I, I, I don't remember what it was. But it was, I liked it. I enjoyed it. I was very, it like you with chef it took me a little bit of time but what drew me in initially with this movie was the cast good um, cast a one member of the cast in particular was will poulter he has become such a big actor as of late i mean i i know him from we're the millers um and Galley. Even, and more recently uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three because he plays Adam. In He's also in um, Shameless. The Bear. Oh, is he in The Bear? Yeah. Was He's he? in season two of The Bear. Was he in Shameless? Maybe I'm con. No, I don't. No, that was Jeremy that. Allen White. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I did really enjoy this movie. I was very curious. Um. Oh, and the other person I was Dylan O'Brien, who plays Thomas. Um, who was because, the original Percy Jackson in the terrible movie versions of Percy Jackson? No, he wasn't. Yeah, he was. I don't think he was. In the movies, he was. I know this because Danny kept calling him Percy the whole time she watched the movie. No, that's Logan Lerman. That is not the same person. Yeah, huh? No. It's not. Logan Lerman played Percy Jackson. So Danny is wrong. You tell her. (laughs) Logan Lerman was Percy Jackson. Dylan O'Brien was not Percy Jackson. Oh, look at that. I'm going to tell her. And I'm going to tell her to listen to this where you say, tell her she's wrong. Sorry. (laughs) She's going to be so mad. Well, I'll tell you at like, as a fan, as a fan of the books first, um, this is by far one of the best adapted 
movies from books I have ever seen. Ever. I I do have to say, I did I did a little research afterwards. Um as sometimes I do because I wanted to know about Scorched Earth and um Scorched Trials and Death Cure. Scorched Trials and Death Cure. And I I I shouldn't have done it because I gave myself a little bit of a spoiler when I saw a particular name in the credits of the third movie, and that's Will Poulter. Oh yeah. Because yeah. I am led to believe that Galley dies. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, what's funny is that Galley actually shows up in the second book, but they didn't they waited until the third movie to re-earth him. They take a lot of creative liberties in the second and third movie um, from the book. But I think that if you watch the movies as, it's kind of like Harry Potter, right? You watch those movies as, as separate from the books, right? The books are, the books are kind of like, it's like the iceberg, right? The top, the tip of the iceberg are the Harry Potter movies, and then the books are beneath the water. And mm. I feel like that it's the same with Maze Runner after the first movie, because honestly, honestly, I, I still cannot believe how much they nailed that first movie. They nailed it. And this just makes me want to kind of read the book even more now, knowing how accurate of a of an adaptation this first one is. It was exactly as I pictured it in my head, the Glade. Ex- the, the 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 maze was exactly as I pictured it in my head. The glade was exactly as I pictured it in my head. It was wild to see what, it all like. And what are the names of the the creatures? The grievers. The grievers. That's it. Those things are scary as shit. <laughs> this movie, like, I can understand. Like, I, I did look at like the the movie does have a mature rating, um, as in like PG thirteen, and it, I get, it. I totally get it because the movie is dark there Mm -hmm. is there's a lot of like gruesome events that happen in the movie there are deaths of children fucking chuck man oh it just rips your heart out right i I was it's worse in the book god i mean i put that up there like even making comparisons like it's it's fucking dobby death i know it's it's up there with Dobby death because well, like because they're out they made it yeah they freaking made it and and they kind of throw you for a loop too because you see him kind of jump in front of Thomas mm-hmm. and then the bullet goes off and then he seems fine and then all of a sudden I know he just starts he starts bleeding and he collapses and I'm like and then he gives really? it, and then he gives he gives a uh, he gives Thomas the little trinket that he won for his parents he goes, yeah. Please. Uh, and you're like, <laughs> well, I mean, if you know anything about tropes in movies, it, like the whole thing with like earlier on in the movie when Thomas gives him that figure and then Thomas gives it back and like you give this to your parents yourself. I'm like, oh, that kid's a dead kid. That's foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that kid's dead. Like that sucks. And then I kind of forget about it. And, you know, but I'm very curious as to what all of this is because like you get to that scene in the end where they're in the control room and everybody's, yeah. everybody's dead. dead. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell is going on? And, like, and I'm literally, I'm watching this. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, like 
everybody's dead. Like what, what is happening? And then all those people from the helicopter from the come in and rush them off in the chopters and they're going to, everything's going to be okay. And then you see all these people again. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? Well, also, <laughs> Um, I can't wait for you to watch the second and third movies, mainly because one of your favorite character actors is in both of those movies. Really? Giancarlo Esposito. Oh, I did read that and in the credits. he is phenomenal. He is phenomenal. He is yeah. the best. Like, eat in the book, his character in the book is wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, and I just think that it, he's such a welcome and wonderful addition to this cast. And I'm just so glad. He was perfectly cast. Perfectly cast. I think that his name is Jorge in the movie. Um, I did. Yeah, I did read that, too. Because, um, oh, that is the wrong movie I just brought up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, uh, wait a minute. I'm like, Sean Bean is not in these movies. This isn't porn. <laughs> that's the wrong tab that is not where i was going with that um yeah because i i noticed uh, a couple people that were coming into the mix uh alan tudyk is coming in giancarlo esposito is coming Mm -hmm. in rosa salazar is coming in she's great too um yeah there's a number of actors that come into the second and third movies and 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 they stay with the same kind of basic thread of the movie, but they do take a lot of creative liberties, which is why they're, um, they're so much lower in rating. Um, especially oh, the, the third movie. That's but, the other name I saw coming into the third movie is Walton and Goggins. Oh yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. Oh, I totally forgot about him. Yeah. That's a wild, that's a wild little side plot. You're going to love it. I think you're going to love the second and third movie. Cause I like I got to the end of this movie and I was like, "Son of a bitch!" Like, she set me Christian. up. <laughs> now I need to watch the second and third movies. They're just they're really that the first movie is so freaking good, especially if you're a fan of the book. I I really I really believe that they do leave out. So in the book, there is a pretty significant element that they do not even approach in the movies. And if you're going to read the books, I'll just leave it at that because Adam is a big Maze Runner fan. My son is a big Maze Runner fan. And so he read, I made him read the book before we watched the movie. So he reads the book and then he watches the movie. I think we watched it together and he looks at me at the end and he goes, they didn't even do the blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I know. What is that? <laughs> and so he goes, why would they leave that out? I'm like, I have no idea. Like, it was such a significant part of the whole series. So um, I'd be interested to know why they left that one element out. And anybody that's actually read the book and seen this movie knows exactly what I'm talking about. Like, I don't even have to say it. Littlefinger comes into the second movie too. Hell yeah, he does. And he plays a little finger. <laughs> oh God. Does he play a character just like Littlefinger? Yeah. Do you um, ever see um Peaky Blinders? Have you watched that? I have not. So he's also in um Peaky Blinders with the best character name in the world, Abarama Gold. Say that. That's that's a great name. Yeah. But he's totally different in Peaky Blinders than he is in his anything else that he does. That it throws you for a loop because you're like, wait a minute, you're supposed to be a different kind of character, man, and you're not. It's strange. I think one. I think one of the reasons I kind of steered away from this and and not even read the books or anything like that is because, like, I I saw a lot of 
I think just in the trailers from when these first came out, I think from the first mm-hmm. Maze Runner came out, I never watched the trailers for the other two movies because I had already lost interest in the first one. I think because I was like, oh, well, this is a Hunger Games kind of ripoff of everything. And then after watching the movie, I can definitely see a lot of influence from Hunger Games in that this is a con- a very condensed environment where particular things are happening but outside of this environment there is a whole world of more to this story and that is exactly what the hunger games is too there's like you get everything within the games but there is a world outside of the games that come to because by the third movie it is not the hunger games anymore no 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 no. you know and and i know there is now a trailer for the prequel and i haven't watched it yet that's another um, one that we've decided to go in blind on because all four of us read that book like at the same time in my family, uh, Ballads of Songbirds and Snakes. Yeah. And it's so freaking good that we're just like, okay, let's just wait. Let's just how, not. Do how anything. far before the first Hunger Games does that take place? No, it takes place during the 10th Hunger Games. And the Hunger Games itself is what? So the, Hunger Games is the 74th Hunger Games. Well, that's what I was asking. How long before the first Hunger Games does Okay, when you said before? first, I didn't know if you meant like the first, like as in the first first or... No, I meant the movie, the first no, book. No, no, no. So, yeah. So um, in the book, Hunger Games, it's uh, the 74th Hunger Games because um, in Catching Fire, it's the quarter quell, which is the 75th Hunger Games. So yeah. in the in this mo- in uh, this book, Ballads of Songbirds and Snakes, it's Cori- Coriolanus Snow. Um, it at during the 10th Hunger Games and it's really cool because Panem is still ra- is still kind of recovering from the war the initial war that started the Hunger Games mm. at the end um and you just don't want to like this book because like for me I'm like I don't need a story about President Snow I don't need it I don't turns out I needed it <laughs> <laughs> Hunger Games is another movie series that I wasn't sure going into. And so then I, I remember really enjoying the first movie. I never read the books, but I, I remembered really enjoying the first movie. And then I went and I saw because the, there's four movies and I went and I saw the second one in theaters. And then the third one, I was like, OK, like I went with friends to go see the third one. And the way the third movie ends with her on that stretcher realizing all of this shit and that look how it goes from panic to pure anger in it. Oh, that's catching fire. That's is that the second movie? Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's the one I went and saw with friends because catching fire is my favorite. It's everyone's favorite book. It's everyone's favorite book. So they had to get that book right. And uh, that movie, right. And I'll tell you what, they did a great job with that movie. Did they? Well, Jennifer Lawrence, first of all, Jennifer Lawrence is going to be good doing whatever it is that she does. Yeah, I do. I do like Jennifer Lawrence. Um, But yeah, like I remember at the end of Catching Fire where she's on that gurney where she was taken out of the games and like pulled up through the roof because Giancarlo Esposito was in those movies as well. Yeah. Um, God, I'm. let me tell you just a break for a second. It only happened a couple months ago, but like that panel with me and Giancarlo Esposito is still to this day of all of the panels I've ever moderated is in my top three easily. Easily. Giancarlo Esposito is not in Hunger Games. 
Who? Oh, no, I'm thinking of... Um, Lenny Kravitz? No, no, I did not confuse Giancarlo Esposito. I don't know who you're confusing <laughs> him with. Um, I, I confused him with... Hold on, I got to look up the name of the actor. Um, uh, yeah, who was the actor I confused him with? Are you talking about BT? Uh, the one from, what, from Westworld? Yes, yes. That is who I confused him with for a second. Yeah, what is his name? His name is... His I mean, name... I mean, it's it's not confusing Dylan O'Brien with Logan Lerman, but Shut still. Up. His name is Jeffrey Wright. <laughs> Jeffrey Wright. That's it. Yeah. Um, but I, it doesn't change the fact that that panel with Giancarlo Esposito is still one of my favorites. Um, You're like, I still want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but that scene at the end of Catching Fire with Jennifer Lawrence, where she, like it does the close-up of her face and she's panicked. And then it just shifts immediately to anger. Yeah. I remember turning to my friend, my friend Andrea, after that was over, I was like, Oh, she is pissed. <laughs> and only a phenomenal actress like Jennifer Lawrence can convey that without words in the span of like 20 seconds where you get an entire flurry of emotions and then you're just ready for the next movie at the end of that. Oh, I forgot Jack Quaid was in Catching Fire. And Philip Soft, uh, Philip Seymour, Seymour Hoffman. Hoffman. Yeah. He was phenomenal as well. But we're talking about Maze Runner. We're talking about Maze Runner. <laughs> I am, yeah, but I do, like, the moment I finished the movie, it took me back to when you gave me this movie, and I was like, oh, do, like, just the first one, or do I need to watch all of them? And you're like, no, just the first one, knowing in the back of your mind, he's going to want to watch the other two when he's done with this one. Yeah. And yeah. screw you for being right. Yeah, I know. It's a good movie. Now I want to So glad you liked too. it. Uh, it's it's weird because like when it comes to these like young adult books being adapted into movies, I got sucked into the Hunger Games and I've kind of avoided all the other ones. Like I've avoided, I, I avoided the Maze Runner. I avoided um, what's the other one? Insurgent and Divergent. Oh my gosh, the worst, the worst movies made from such a good book series. I, I'm, I'm still angry about it. I, I I still can't talk about it. I'm glad I'm, I'll continue to avoid them. And then, of course, Twilight, which is both the books and the movies are garbage. Well, who's um, watching that other than, you know, pre-teenagers and, you know, I know what? some I'm adults not, that I, are into those movies know, and books, too. I know. I know. And, and I just, oh, gosh, I, I don't get it. I do. I, I, as much as I disagree with the author, I do still think you, uh, Harry Potter is the pinnacle. Um of young adult into film adaptation. I still think, yes, there is stuff left out. And I've read those books. There's still stuff left out of the books in the movies, but the movies are still pretty outstanding in their own right. Um, yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why I've avoided, again, these young adult into movie adaptations is yeah. because I always hold them in high regard to Harry Potter and, and the hunger games. Uh, but mm -hmm. Maze Runner, uh, this first movie, it it lived up. So, yeah. um, I'm they did glad, a really good job with it. I'm glad you gave me this one. Thanks. Um, and now I am. I'm gonna watch. Um, uh, what's the second one? Scorch. Scorch Trials. Scorch Trials, and then uh, Death Cure. Death Cure. Yep. I'm, and the I'm books are really watch. good too. If you can find, I know that you like to listen to books. If you can find a good um, audio narrator. Um, you know, the books are actually really good and they're quick I, reads. I, I like listening to audiobooks when they're narrated by the author. 
mainly like or Andy Circus. Or Andy Circus. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like if you look at my Audible account, it is 95% autobiographies. Yeah. And the other 5% is the Lord of the Rings trilogy, the Hobbit trilogy, because they're all narrated by Andy Circus, and the entire um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy uh, book series, because they're narrated by Stephen Fry, and I just love those books. Will Wheaton does Ready Player One. I have that too. Yeah. I do have that as well. Um, Because Will Wheaton's great. (laughs) Well, and he is a big part of the book that is left out of the movie. And I know you and I have Yeah. He's the president in Ready Player One. He is. And he is only an Easter egg in the in the movie. Um, there is a poster of him up in um up in the garage or the 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 hang area, the comic. I just area. I didn't I because I love Ready Player One so much as a book, so much as a book. I my It's one of my favorite books. I mean but my but my expectations for that particular movie were astronomically high and i get that because mine were too and I, I i forget who did i talk to about this oh i mentioned this on the wheel of time podcast in the last episode of the wheel of time podcast in that when it comes to book to movie adaptations i i'm okay separating a little bit when it comes to the 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 material Ready Player One is a big example of this because and we've talked about this and we're not going to start a debate on At this. nauseum. Uh, yeah, I'm, we won't start a, <laughs> another debate on this. I can hear Jill's eyes rolling as she listens to this. <laughs> I can hear them. <laughs> Ready Player One was the exception to me because one, to get the rights to everything referenced in Ready Player One would be a logistical nightmare for starters. And if anybody could do it though, it would have been Steven Spielberg. You're right. And even so, he couldn't do it. So, like, that says a lot about what I just mentioned. But two, if you were if you were to adapt Ready Player One ad verbatim to a movie, first off, it would need to be more than one movie because there's too much material to cover. And I'm totally fine with that. Give me a series. Give me a Ready Player One series. Oh, and a then TV I, series. And then I would say, yes, it has to be a strict adaptation. But there is so much exposition in the beginning of that book i would be bored out of my fucking mind watching okay and i and and i understand what you're saying there but in like the and and this is going so if you haven't watched or read ready player one you know just skip ahead but (laughs) the fact that parcival found the first key on the school campus proving that Anybody could have won this. Yes. Anybody. That to me was the most important element of thematically of this story. And they just, poof, it wasn't and, there. I And I could have, if they just kept that one element in, I could have forgiven a lot more, but they didn't. <laughs> I get it. I get it. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Yeah, I, I get it. Cause this, this is a three hour conversation. This will turn into like another two hour, like, to our additional conversation. Yeah. But you um, liked Maze Runner. I, I kind of liked Chef. So, you know, <laughs> it was good. <laughs> yeah, I did. I really did enjoy Maze Runner. Um, again, I kind of stayed mad a, at me. I stayed away. <laughs> I'm, I'm not mad. It just adds two more movies to my list. And it kind of bumps them closer to the top, too, because now I'm like, I need to watch them now. 
to figure out how this story ends. I made Adam wait so long. <laughs> He's like, Mom, I just want to watch it. And I'm like, no. And it does kind of make me want to go back and rewatch The Hunger Games a little bit now, too. Because I just enjoy those movies. I always want to rewatch The Hunger Games. They're so, always. They're, they're great. If somebody says, hey, let's watch The Hunger Games, I'm never going to say no, ever. <laughs> that and Harry Potter. Never going to say no. The Harry Potter movies, I usually do a marathon every year. And I usually... Christmas. I, I wait till around Thanksgiving, Christmas time. Yeah. That's what we do every yep. year. We usually, trade off. Sometime in like November, December, I, mm -hmm. I'll marathon the Harry Potter movies. And so we really trade off every time, year. They're really the only time of year I'll watch them too. So what do you trade off with? Star Wars. Yeah. It's Star Wars one year, Harry Potter the next year. Last year we did Harry Potter... So, so this, this year, year we'll be doing Star Wars. Now, Star Wars is in like the nine main. So we now, because we've been doing this for a number of years, we now have themes. We'll do pre-rebellion. We'll do gotcha. uh, the first. We'll do like, you know, just the sequels. We'll do just like, we'll just take a theme and run with it. And then because there's so much content, which is wonderful, right? Yeah. Um, and it, we don't restrict it just to the nine movies. One year, I think we did all of all of the movies that weren't the nine movies. Okay. So we did Solo, Rogue One. Rogue One. Yeah. What else is there? There's Solo and Rogue One. There's another one. Kristen, come on. Is there? Or did we do Rebels with Solo and Rogue One? I think that that's the year that we did um, pre-Rebellion, like pre-Death Star. Now you can watch... And this is kind of a little how the sausage. This is a little behind the scenes stuff, like more personal to Kristen and I. But like now, I I do have that fan edit that turns Obi Wan into a two hour long, a two and a half hour long movie, rather than episodic. Um, I was not a fan of Obi Wan like others were. Obi Wan and Boba Fett are at the bottom of my list. Did you hear that there is a Lando movie coming now too? Well, Kira and Han better be in it. Um, I don't know if they are. Um, Donald Glover is writing it. Because I'm not he, a Donald Glover fan. Really? Yeah, really, really he, and truly. He wanted to he wanted to return to that character because he loved playing that character. And I think the moment I heard that casting, I was like, yeah. I'm on board for that. Like I'm on board for Donald Glover playing uh, playing Lando, and it was it's him and his brother writing it. Uh, it was initially going to be a Disney Plus series, and then they kind of backtracked and they were like, "Well, let's just do a movie." So it might even be straight to Disney. I don't know if it's going to get a theater release. Uh, I mean, we'll I'll watch it because I'll watch anything Star Wars related, literally anything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Donald Glover is not my favorite actor. He just I I, don't, I liked him in Community, and then I think everything that he did after Community was just kind of like. Ho hum. I don't even like him as Childish Gambino. I just, I don't like, I uh, think the music is dumb. I love Childish Gambino. But I also, I'm a huge hip hop fan, huge mm. hip hop fan. And I just don't think that he's, he's of very the caliber. He, he's, he definitely stands in a different category of hip hop. Yeah. Like it, it initially started as, oh, I'm going to turn my nerddom into hip hop. Yeah. Um, and then he kind of started shifting into more legitimate hip hop with This and Is so America what, and, and stuff. Well, maybe that's what the problem that I have with him is that I liked him as this kind of goofy character and he's kind of nerdy. And I liked that about him. And I feel like he got really big and popular and he turned into a completely different person. And 
I just, I don't know. I don't know. You know what? I don't know. Yeah. Not everybody is for everybody, right? I, yeah, I, I get it. Um, yeah, but it's, it's, you know, and uh, I'll, I'll, this would be my final note on like the whole Star Wars thing and then I'll, I'll move on. Um, well, we could still talk about Star Wars. I know, but we got to, we have a whole other podcast to record and we're done with this. Um, <laughs> no, we're excited about that other podcast. Uh, and actually, yeah, this, no, pod- this podcast releases after that one. So hopefully you've already heard that one by the time you listen to this. Yeah. Uh, one of the other things I love about Star Wars, other than the material itself. Other than everything. Well, other, like I said, other than the material itself and the characters and everything. Again, I've talked about this before. Not a big Rogue One fan, but I'm in the minority there. I know that. So good. Um, similar to how you think Chef should have been cut short, I was like, Rogue One could have been a 45-minute long short, and I would have been happy with it. Um, <laughs> anyway, I digress. One of the other things I love about Star Wars in general is the fact that, you know, we talk about family when it came to Chef, and this is kind of how I'm bookending the conversation. I watch a lot of the Marvel and Star Wars stuff with my mom Mm. because this is something Marvel was something I got to introduce her to Mm -hmm. Star Wars was something that was out when she was my age, Uh, even before that, Mm -hmm. this is something that has spanned my entire life Mm -hmm. because it came out. The first movie was the year before I was born. Yeah. It has spanned my entire lifetime, and it is something that has spanned a good majority of my mother's lifetime. Mm-hmm. So it is something that we both enjoy. Could so, you imagine like being old enough to know life before Star Wars? I know. That's weird to me. I, like being old enough to go to theaters to see it. Well, that's how when our kids, first... that's how my kids probably think about Harry Potter. Yeah. And the Marvel stuff. Like, right. It, you know, it like, and that's what, like, I've told people before too. Like, I've told kids, like, in their teens and stuff like that who are fans now of, like, the Mandalorian and, like, Ahsoka. And I'm like, I'm like you do realize, like, like, yes, like, you have not lived a life without Star Wars. Neither have I. That's right. how long this franchise has existed. But there were only three movies for a really long time. For a really, till late 90s. Yeah. I think it was what, 99 that Phantom Menace came 99 out? 99 was episode one. Yeah. Yeah. So you're talking almost a decade? No, almost two decades. No, 83 was the last yeah. movie that almost came two, out to almost, 99. Yeah. So almost two decades. Yeah. Yeah. Without. Star Wars. And now it has grown into this massive universe. Do you remember how crazy everyone got when Phantom Menace was about to come out? Yeah. Oh my gosh. And then being disappointed. And then everybody was so pissed off afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I just said. And then being so disappointed when we we realized, why are we watching 25 minutes of fucking pod racing? Like, what is this? (laughs) Oh, it was really the... uh, the the trade discussions <laughs> that that got me. Mm. That was some hot Star Wars. Which is, which is so weird because we hated the trading discussions in episode one. But now it's become a part of like Clone Wars and Rebels. Right, right. And, it's like, and now uh-huh. we fucking love it. I know. <laughs> it's so, it's so, 
and weird. Anyway, <laughs> let's give ourselves our homework assignments for next week. Okay, um, so I want to go first because I want to know if you've seen this movie. Okay. It's an obscure movie that it was one of those movies that I just kind of found back in college and I watched it and I just like, I kept watching the movie unfold as it kept going and I'm like, this movie's great. Like, it's weird, but it's great. It was like the first really stupid, weird movie I've ever really seen. It's 1995's The Last Supper with Cameron Diaz. I don't know if I've ever seen it. Okay, you need to see it. Okay, all right. I'm writing it down as my homework. Yep. Cameron Diaz is in it. Hang on, I got to look it back up because there's there's a bunch of people that are in that movie. Uh, here it, it is. It's called The Last Supper. It is not religious, I hope. No, no. Okay. <laughs> um, Cameron Diaz is in it. Ron Perlman is in it. Uh, Courtney B. Vance, Bill Paxton. Oh. Um, Mark Harmon. Yeah, so I highly recommend this movie. It's really, um, <laughs> it's an interesting movie. How's that? I don't know if you're gonna if you want me to say. Jonathan it. Penner is in this movie. Do you want me to say what it's about, or do you care? No, no, I, you don't have to say. It, but Jonathan Penner, I'm because I, I skipped it. Jonathan Penner is in Down Periscope. He is one look. of the two pilots in Down Periscope. Oh yeah. He's one of the two helmsmen in Down Periscope. And then Ron Eldard is in it, who, if I remember correctly, isn't wasn't he in Silence of the Lambs? Isn't he Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs? Or am I wrong? No, that's a different I'm pretty sure that's a different person. Okay. But well, it does that's look fine. like but it does look like he's in a season of Justified. Yes, he is. I just looked that I just saw that. And he was in Ghost Ship. Uh uh, oh, and Deep Impact and Black Hawk Down. So it looks like he's been in a lot. Anyways, it's a, it's it's. I hope that you like it. It's short. It's like an hour and a half long. I think. Okay. All yeah. Right. So I hope you like it. I can't wait to watch it again personally. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really hope that you like it. Yeah, it's got a it's got a it's got a decent cast to it too. Like I said, it know, is it is Cameron a Diaz. for nineteen ninety five. It is a wild concept. This for has got to be. Early Cameron Diaz too. Very early. This is indie candy. Cameron oh, this Diaz. is her second movie. Yeah, I was going to say because her she made her debut in The Mask. Yeah, which was ninety four, and so. then she immediately did this movie. Which, if you see it, you'll be like that. That's like getting the bends almost. Like it's <laughs> 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 All right, I can't wait for you to see it. Okay, cool. I'm so glad that you haven't seen it. Yay! Yeah, I haven't seen it, so I will. I've been I wanting wanted. to rewatch this movie for a while. I don't know why. It just—it's a movie that stuck with me. I have to add it to my server too because I don't have it. Oh so, yay! So I have to add it. It's a new movie I can add. You have uh, everything too. So I know. Um, so we we kind of mentioned my movie already that I'm giving to you because you haven't seen it. But my movie is from 1999. I'm giving you three to tango. Uh, we're gonna stay on the Oliver Platt train. Uh, and I, I kind of mentioned already. Uh, Nev Campbell, Matthew Perry, Dylan McDermott, and Oliver Platt. So, he says 1999. 1999. Yes. Are we going to party like it's 1999? I forgot David Ramsey was in this movie. I know David. I'm buddies with David. I forgot he's in this movie. And John C. McGinley, who is um, from Scrubs. As well, oh, I'm not going to look it up because I don't want to look it up. I'm but... not telling you what the movie is about at all. Please um, don't. But the the main cast is 
Nev Campbell, Matthew Perry, Dylan McDermott, and Oliver Platt. They are the four main characters of this movie. Uh, and even well, you Dylan know me. Mc- I'll watch anything with Chandler being in it. And even Dylan McDermott is, is kind of a secondary character compared to the other three. It is primarily Matthew Perry, Oliver Platt, and Nev Campbell. I'm excited. Like you, like you said, it is a cast that screams 90s. Yeah, I know. I, I like it that we both gave each other 90s movies. Yeah. So um, in regards to Oliver Platt, I just thought of another movie. I'm going to ask you now if you've seen or not. Have you seen Bicentennial Man? Oh, with Robin Williams. With no. Robin Williams. Oh, you haven't seen it. Uh-uh. I might have to add that to my list. Well, let me, well, you know what? I can't remember if I've seen it, so I'm just going to say no. It is, I don't want to tell you what it is, just in case. Right. So I, if I can't remember it, then I'm just going to say no. Okay. I have a pretty good movie memory. All right. I can take three to tango off my list because it just gave me that no. Yay. Uh, all right. So I, I think that's going to wrap it up for, this is a relatively longer episode of of this well, but, we, for about half of it we talked about everything other than the movies with that's what this podcast that's that, what that's, these episodes of wilhelm were about is that's what was our main concept yep and our tangents yeah. <laughs> that, that. <laughs> this is how we get it all out of our system before we go <laughs> to revisit it pretty much yeah because we <laughs> we record them back to back so <laughs> this is us getting it out of our system before we go mm-hmm. on to one we're just um, finally recording our conversation before we start recording <laughs> pretty much <laughs> Uh, but in regards to that, check out the other episodes of Wilhelm that are posting. I've got um, some other top fives coming out. Uh, I've got some previous panels I've done at cons coming out, including Christy Swanson. Um, uh, that one's going to be coming up relatively soon. Uh, and I'm working a show in Rhode Island in November, so I'm going to have a ton of new content coming from that show that's going to be posted on there as well. More episodes of Movie Swap as Kristen and I do them going forward. And then, of course, <clears throat> Revisited, which is a spinoff of this podcast uh, in which Kristen and I are doing the dive. And we have completed our lost journey, and we are now on to Ted Lasso, which, as we mentioned, we record them back to back. We're recording the first episode of Ted Lasso as you're as we're recording this, um, but it releases before this. So you should have already heard it at this point. And if you didn't go back and hear it because it's their short episode. So they'll probably not be as long as our previous lost episode. And and now's the time to kind of jump in because this is a a new chapter. We're starting from the beginning. Season one, episode Mm -hmm. one. Um, so wilhelmpodcast.com is where you can find everything Wilhelm related and then revisitedpod.com is where you can go to find everything for revisited. I've already updated the website like it's new graphics on our Facebook page, it's new Ooh. graphics on our face on our website. The logo is different, the back the banners are different. Everything is Ted Lasso themed now. Like I had fun creating it and and updating it like it was Even our music for revisited is different now too. Oh yeah, I can't wait to hear it. Had to be because <laughs> We're not going to use lost related theme music for Yeah, no, that wasn't going to work. No, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, any final notes? No. Okay. Uh, in that regard, then, thank you for listening, and we'll see you guys on another episode of Wilhelm. Take care. Bye. <laughs>